Welcome everybody to the AJ Osborne Show, where we focus on our core tenets, impact, freedom, and progress. Join me and others as we grow through education and discussion. All right. So in the last four days, we have now had what looks like three bank failures, two for sure. So we'll stick with the two and we can move on to the next ones. Uh, it's Monday, long weekend. We've been putting out some content uh, around that, mostly on Twitter. That was kind of more in real time, which I was uh, putting some things up. Now, first and foremost, I want this to really cut through the crap. Okay. Um, there is a lot of noise and there is... Uh, a, a lot of content that is being produced in astronomically short periods of time that do not hold lots of content and is really, or excuse me, not content, but does not hold lots of, not even information. There's, it's full of information, but just no context. And I think is more there to drive clicks rather than understanding. So the first thing I want to touch on and hit right out of the gate, this is not 2008. All right, let me repeat that. This is not 2008. Now, as someone that worked with uh, hundreds of employers through 2008, as many, many of them went bankrupt, um, were acquired by others, as I was investing everything in the stock market, derivatives, and real estate, uh, I was also getting my MBA through, through 2008. I was not an expert, and I did not know exactly what was happening. Not even close. Um, I was scared like everyone was. I was young. Uh, I had just started my career. Uh, and I had been placed a lot of responsibility. I think that's probably why I went back to get my MBA was because I needed to try to understand what was happening. I, I, I didn't believe that going back to school in any way, shape or form would have uh, paid me more because that's not how I got paid. I got paid on commissions um, and I got paid on output only. Uh, but I was sitting across the desks from employers as you could tell these people hadn't slept and I don't know how long. Um, almost in tears, uh, talking about how we were going to do certain things to try to save them money and uh, them looking up at me and saying, maybe you don't get it. 5%, 10% means nothing. I don't know if I'm going to make payroll next week. Um, the 2008 collapse was a financial collapse. And I think the, the overall uh, bank failures that are happening now leads back to that. That's why there is this tight conclusion drawn. Uh, most of the people that are drawing this conclusion were in high school or something. They were not even around. They didn't know what was even happening during that time. So it's really, really important to understand causes, uh, effects, what's happening now, why it's different, why it's not. In some aspects, let me make it very clear, this is actually much scarier. Now, in other aspects, it's not even close. So I, I don't want to sound like I am telling you that um, this doesn't matter, it's irrelevant, and quit listening to this and everything. But 100% why people are saying that it's scary is very much misguided. So let, let's get down to some facts here. First of all, uh, SVB is the second largest bank failure uh, that the United States has ever seen. 
Um, now, when we say that, we are talking about assets. Okay, we're talking about overall um, uh, uh, value of that bank. Now, the SVB Bank, the Silicon, uh, the Silicon Valley Bank, is a bank that was built and the primary lender of things like uh, equity-backed debt um, to venture capitalists, tech startups. They did uh, real estate, personal financing. Um, they did a lot of uh, derivatives. Um, let's just put it this way. They were risky assets. Uh, turns out the bank had not hedged at all. Uh, let's keep this really simple. We don't even need to get into a lot, but the bank was burning cash it needed capital. Uh, the founders and the startups were not getting refilled capital from investors. Interest rates was burning capital. They needed to get cash fast. They went to the secondary market. They were going to put it out. That got out very, very quickly. Now, when that got out, we had a run on the bank. And this run on the bank was done by a very tight-knit group of people. So what happened is you had a bank that serviced basically one ginormous sector of the economy. Now, a lot of people will say, oh, no, they had a lot of real estate things. Like that. They did. That real estate that they held was still owned and serviced or leased out to tech companies. They were very, very concentrated. And during financial uh, changes, right, but particularly monetary changes within the economy, higher interest rates leads to shrinking money supply. That is exactly what's happening right now, meaning the government is actually trying to get money out of the system. That is their only goal. We had, and I made a podcast about Congress and the Fed testifying before Congress and Congress saying, basically, you know that we are going to lose 2 million jobs. Why are you doing this? How could you make 2 million plus people lose their jobs? It's part of the plan. They have to do it, meaning they have to shrink the money supply and by shrinking money supply, what do you have? Now, they shouldn't have to. They didn't need to. But guess what? When you pump $4 trillion into an economy that was already overheated, what do you think is going to happen? Now, I know you guys are probably tired of hearing me talk about this stuff. Um, I've been now talking about this for a year and a half. And this is just a continuation of what I have written on, what I've talked about, and what is going on now. Uh, higher interest rates, contracting that money supply, they've got to get all that excess capital out. The why, first of all, this is not the same as 2008. So why didn't we have massive inflation in 2008? We didn't have that because 2008 was a bubble by asset prices. It was an equity problem. We had a restructuring of value. Everything was underwater, debts compressed. Those debts were leveraged two to a hundred times through insurance products on things like CDOs. Not going to go down in. It left a massive gaping hole in the money supply because debt is money. So when you take a debt and said, all right, we have trillions of dollars on home mortgages, all of that debt's restructured at half of the half half, right? So just give it a number, say four trillion. It's now restructured at half. You just lost two trillion dollars. It's not magical. That debt is real. It's a real asset. That debt is leveraged. That is money. So you lose $2 trillion. The Fed dumped money trying to fill in a hole. COVID happened. 
the economy was booming. They poured money on top of it. You have inflation. They rise interest rates trying to shrink that. When you do that, money leaves the riskiest assets. Why? Risky assets, when the money supply is shrinking, people know, all right, I call it the blob of money's moving around. That means it's moving towards safer assets. Why? Because higher interest rates lead to contraction in the economy, recessions, high risky assets get hit hard. So the money leaves them. People don't want to fund them. They don't want to be uh, investing in them, right? The natural. Of course, this happens. And the degree or severity will do, be dependent on the Fed and how much they have to do. The Fed announced um, what we've been doing is not working. We rose interest rates and guess what? The economy didn't stop. In fact, it's still going. It's going great. So then the Fed says, we're going to pull out a bazooka here and you all are not going to like it. Congress politicians freak out because they just want to be hired. They don't care about anything else. Um, and then when you get that, this flea of risky assets, people stop giving money to things like venture. You have banks that are isolated within certain categories. They start to have problems in a risk-based security like their mortgage lending uh, on commercial real estate, which was leveraged really high and now is contracting. Higher interest rates are making those people not be able to pay their bills. And then they have cash deposits that are withering away because they're so concentrated in things like um, these ventures, startups, uh, crypto, uh, risky assets. So their cash is dwindling at the same time that they're having financial problems. It's important to know a bank should be able to have financial problems and it shouldn't create an implosion. The reason why is that bank should be very diversified and hedged. It should not be very concentrated. That concentration then led to uh, run on the bank. Why? Because the vast majority of deposits or cash held on hand at that bank all knew each other. These are big venture capitalist funds. They called each other up and said, hey, just so you know, these guys are putting out an offering on the secondary market. Your bank needs money. They're running out of it. You better get your money out fast. So all these guys that have billions of dollars and hundreds of millions and tens of millions called each other up and said, just want you to know, you got to get it out now. And what happened? You had a mass run on the bank, uh, went to liquidate their capital and the bank failed. Okay. So first things first, uh, that bank was so poorly ran in this idea that their, their exposure to these assets weren't hedged. They held, um, I was reading a thing saying they have 50% of all venture debt, that one bank. Um, now, why is this important? Because you have to realize banks failed during 2008, including the biggest banks in the world. Now, this was a top 20 bank. This is not insignificant at all. But it's not important that the bank fails. It's important about the system. So is this bank collapse affect the system? Well, yes and no, but not anywhere like 2008. Why? Because the risk that was held in 2008 was held by all the banks. They were leveraged on that risk and they didn't hedge that risk and they all shared it. So there was no way you could have one bank that would fail and the other one not be connected and uh, buy it due to a failure of this asset type. If they didn't have that asset, they had insurance that was backing the asset, which was even worse because they had to pay out more if that asset failed. That is contagion, right? That is everybody is connected. Nobody could get out of this. 
That's what happened in 2008. Basically, the financial system was rotten to the core, to the very, very core. No one was protected. No one was left out of it. Now, let's go back to why this may create or why this could have created contagion. What was the risk that were very serious with this? Well, that run on the bank immediately terrified everybody. So people said, oh no, there was a run on this bank and it just failed. All these people that have their deposits in it lost everything because you can only be guaranteed up to 250000 Well, that means that all the businesses that had a million, two million in there to do payroll expenses, this isn't profit. This isn't just cash they have lying around, right? This is money that is needed. This is operating capital, okay? Uh, they all lost all of it, or at the time they did. Uh, that means that everybody else looked at their banks and saying, I don't know what's going on. I don't know which will be hit. So everybody started saying, we got to get our money out of the banks. That is what was the fear, okay? That the fear to the banking system is a run on the bank. Now, 100 years ago, guys, this happened a lot, right? Like I mean, banks actually failed a lot. Now, the FDIC came in, they protected it. The problem that we had here was the FDIC insurance up to $250,000 was a fraction of the money that was sitting there. So it was all but lost, meaning your deposits lost. So the government came up with a plan and immediately um, played it out, which I actually like. What they said is we're going to let the bank fail, which I knew they would. They were not going to let that bank survive. Um, and that's for a whole host of reasons that we can get into another time. Um, now, uh, what they did differently, though, was they said, we'll let the bank fail, but the depositors are okay. What does that mean? A lot of people are confused that the bank can fail and that the depositors are okay, and you're not bailing out bankers, you're not bailing out risky assets, things like that. The equity, the investment, the business, all those uh, bets on that bank, everything up, gone, eradicated. It's going to hurt. I mean, billions were just lost, right? But the small business that put their money in the bank account, which this bank was a top-rated bank, okay? This bank had, this is crazy that I'm even saying this, five days before, five days, which we now know the bank knew about their problems, tweeted about how they had won awards and how they were the top bank in America or whatever it was. All why this bank knew, they were all but insolvent and they could quickly, quickly be. So for an individual judging where to put your money in cash that you need it protected, operating capital, um, this bank from every person that would know or, or, or know, they, they thought it was safe. How could a regular individual operating a business know that that was going on. They couldn't. The government said this is like the safest bank in America, right? They're the most socially forward thinking. They are the, you know, they won the ESG scores and everything else, which we're not even going to get into that mess. Um, but at the end of the day, they were a horribly, horribly ran bank, way too concentrated in very, very risky assets. So they failed. Now, that bank failure could create run on banks. The government said, we need to stop that. So we're protecting all deposits. Everybody that has your money sitting in bank accounts, you're going to get it. You get it today. So we're now on Monday. Everybody's getting their money. It's rolling out. Okay. That way they said, don't worry about it, everybody. Your money in the bank. You don't need to go run and pull it out. You don't need to, to start going do run on banks because you'll have your money. Even if that bank fails, you'll have your money. 
that's the right move. Like, because if the government can't insure the financial system, um, we saw what happened to this bank in literally a 24-hour period. It does not take a lot for run on banks today. Why? Because I can run, I can do a run on the bank while sitting in Hawaii on the beach from my cell phone. I can just, with a click of the button, move all my capital. That is uh, very dangerous to a financial system that is predicated and leverages money 10 to 1. So meaning that that bank only needed 10% of cash to leverage out uh, the rest of the money. So they're very, very leveraged, right? And that's the point, everybody. That's literally what banks do. They provide liquidity in the marketplace. And that's meant. So I actually am in agreement with how the um, government handled this. Way better than what they did in 2008. Uh, way better. Now, we will see. Uh, first of all, let me be very clear. We're in this position because of the government's screw-ups. So don't say, well, AJ, no, I get it. The whole reason we're in this predicament is because of the government. They have screwed the financial um, health of our country up so much. Now, with that said, you got to make sure people know that they can get money or capitalism shuts down. So that was a good move. Immediately following. Now, also, too, you need to remember during 2008, 500 banks failed. 500, okay? Uh, they literally could not stop the contagion everybody was going under. Now, we've had another bank fail, directly connected with this bank. Now, when we look at contagion, that's where we start to look and you start to wonder. Now, over the next few days, there, there will be bank failures, right? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know who's connected to this bank. Now, am I in any way, shape, or form worried about things like JP Morgan? No not even remotely. Banks are so much healthier today than they were in 2008. And the system that we have in place, right, is backing depositors. What this also does is that tells people you're okay, but banks, you're going to lose it all. And they should. They should lose it all. When banks do dumb things, they should lose. They should be fired. They should lose all their money. That's how investing works. The government's not going to bail me out, right? I don't think banks should be bailed out. But you do need to protect the customer. Okay, moving on from that. Now, as we see this moving forward, once again, this is a symptom of a larger picture. So the idea that um, it happened is not very surprising because we will see more businesses go bankrupt. We're going to see unemployment shoot up. Um, we are going to see problems as the economy contracts. Now, this is exactly why I've set my business up the way that it has. We saw and we learned from 2008. This is why I've been obnoxious about this for the last year and a half. This is why I've written things on it. This is why I've spoken on it, even though people uh, criticized me greatly. Uh, now, for us, we built our entire business model off this, and so we can do something else. And that's take advantage of these times. I know it's horrible. I'm going to be taking advantage in rough, rough periods of times. That's capitalism, baby. And I should be rewarded for making better decisions. I don't know what else to say. And people that make dub financial decisions that they leverage to the hilt, um, they're going to get hurt. Now, I understand that. I play that game, meaning that 
I too am susceptible to making bad decisions, to getting hurt, that my business will be hurt. If we go into a depression, guys, there's nothing I can do. Nothing, right? I can't protect myself from a collapse of the system and neither can you. So when we look at risks, we're making education, uh, educated, safe risks and we're hedging against downsides like the things that we're talking about. But make no mistake, this is one of the better opportunities to be going into the marketplace because we have a restructuring of pricing of assets and that creates um, a sell. We were very successful doing this after 2008. Our investments were good. We had cash flow. We had locked in terms. We weren't didn't need to restructure. We weren't underwater. We operated good, safe businesses. Um, we had cash on hand. We didn't have stupid debts, all like we're sitting today. So we have an upper hand because what is needed today is financial strength and security. So we get to then take advantage of those opportunities. That's how it works. I'm all about it. Now let's talk about how things could go wrong. Now I'm going to put a disclaimer on this. This doesn't mean that it could be this could happen. I don't want to scare people, but at the same I really don't want people to think that I have my head in the sand. My job is actually opposite. I need to be looking at all the risks and, and uh, what happens out there. So I need to be understanding where minefields may be, how we can walk through it, and risks that we see. The biggest risk that I see and why this is scary to me is the one thing that no one's talking about. That's the fact that we currently have the highest inflation that we've had in a lot of people's entire lifetime in the United States, but definitely since the 70s, 60s, started the 80s. Now, this inflation is bad, really bad. It hits poor families, working families the hardest. They take the brunt of this, and it needs to stop. The Fed's job, whether you agree with the Fed or not, is price stability. So they need to be working on making sure the financial system is secure, but creating price stability for everyday um, working people, that they don't worry that their milk is going to be $1,000 in three weeks. Obviously, that would destroy and cater, uh, crater everything, as I've talked about in other podcasts and uh, talking about money. Now, when we look at why that matters in relationship to these banks and why that's scary, there's two things that we look for. In 2008, we had deflation. Deflation leads to depressions. Deflation is when the price of assets, um, mainly um, asset deflation, starts spiraling down. That means companies and assets keep getting worth less and less and less. Nobody wants to buy them because they're going to be worth less tomorrow. That means the price keeps dropping and it starts cratering. Everybody starts to fire everybody. They start to lose their assets. We have debt restructuring on and on and on and on. Very, very scary, everyone. Uh, it, not something you ever want to see or be a part of. Uh, now, that is the opposite of inflation. Now, what happens when you have goods, uh, uh, good, meaning price of goods inflation, and asset deflation? Because how do, you, how do you solve deflation? Deflation, you create so much money that you're devaluing that money at such a rapid place that everybody starts buying up assets and everything else right? Because you try to get them to shift their money from cash and start putting it to work to stop the precipitous fall of assets. Now, 
inflation, as prices are uh, rising, you get rid of money, right? So nobody can buy anything. Then we have more supply than demand. If these two things happen at the same time, assets are in deflation and the products, goods, and services are, in, you have inflation. How do you stop that? If we print more money to stop deflation, inflation spikes. But yet, if we get rid of more money in the system to stop inflation, deflation gets worse. Now, I've read a lot on this, different theories and thoughts on what, how that might happen. What, what does that even mean? Could it even happen, right? The answer is yes, it could. Um, and this is frankly the ultimate scare, right? Uh, this is what people are looking out for. Now, do we? Do I see this problem? Okay, first of all, no, I, I, I don't. But when you start having banks fail, uh, luckily these banks, it's very clear on why they failed, right? And we hope that that contagion is stopped. Do we know exactly how the sausages are made or the black boxes of the banks? Of course not. And anyone that thinks that they do obviously didn't learn anything from 2008. Not even the executives at the banks knew the liability they had. They didn't even know. Nobody knew. Not even the banks themselves. Crazy, I know, and scary. So when we look at that, there is obviously that worry. But right now, we're not seeing that kind of contagion. In fact, it, we're seeing what is more I think predictable and normal trying to create price stability and through the ra uh, rising interest rates. That means we have risky assets that are being hit and hit hard. Now, for the last year and a half, we have been stacking up cash. We have been taking advantage of uh, deals. We have been preparing. We have been looking at markets and seeing the things that wouldn't be affected uh, as much or where opportunities lie. It's really important as all these things play out. First, you do not freak out. So saying blanket statements like this is 2008, which I'm seeing all over the place. I already know that those people are, they, they, don't, they either do not know what they're talking about or they don't believe it at all. If you thought that this was 2008, those same people that are saying they're trying to raise money and look for deals would be liquidating everything they had. Why? Because you, if you're out telling investors, this is 2000, if you're out, excuse me, telling people on social media, this is 2008, and then you're telling investors to give your money to go buy deals, 2008, assets lost 60% of their value. What, that doesn't even make sense, right? I do not believe that in any way, shape, or form. In fact, I think it's the opposite. I think that this is a great time to be buying, and I think there's a great ways to do it, and that you will be way, way uh, benefited in the future here uh, from the moves that we're making today. Now, what does that mean then do I expect going forward? Once again, I think that this is a symptom. I don't think it's something that is unexpected. I don't think that, I mean, obviously it's unexpected. It's not like we planned on it, but it is a symptom that is normal in these types of economies. So I think that we will see further problems. We're going to see people lose their jobs. We're going to see the economy contract. Once again, the government is trying to do that. So this is a symptom of a plan that is in place and is still moving forward. You need to 
not, uh, you need to be prepared, right? And moving forward, understanding the plan, how it's supposed to play out, what that means, and not lose your head. You shouldn't be doing knee-jerk reactions. You should be looking. Obviously, we know what kind of assets are hurt, what kind are not. You need to be looking at your money and inflation and how those things work. Most importantly, you need to work with people and you need to invest with people that have been through this stuff. Because a lot of people hurt themselves through these kind of cycles because they didn't know. They made those knee-jerk reactions. They all of a sudden jumped and, and made moves that they shouldn't have made. They didn't have all the information present. And there's nothing worse than that. Um, you need to be calm and you need to just watch as things go play out. Identify your buy box on assets that you want. Identify what that means. So what is a good deal on that asset? And what is that buy box? And how does that protect me? And what is the upside? And then you need to prepare yourself to make a move to buy and invest and take a once in a maybe generational opportunity, right? To grow. Everybody says they wish they would have gone back into if they wish... They could have been in 2008 and bought up all the deals. The problem is nobody actually did that in 2008. And those same people are now moving to the sidelines today. Emotion over logic. Okay. There's going to be a lot you're going to see on social media. There's going to be a lot you're going to read in the news and talking heads. Uh, try to peer past that. Do not accept everything. Realize there's a bigger picture at play. And a lot of people are going to try to pill to emotional strings on you to pull to get you to make quick short-term decisions. Make sure you understand who's t telling you those things. Why are they telling you? How long have they been doing that? What is their experience? Do they know what they're doing? What the plan is? Information in times like this is very, very important. And making good information or excuse me, getting good information to make good decisions, not making quick decisions, not diverting and changing plans all the time. I would be very nervous to be doing business with people or investing with people or partnering with people that have no experience in today's age, that don't know the risks out there, um, can't articulate it, they can't see through it, uh, and they put blanket statements. So please, right now, you have a very good opportunity. And this opportunity isn't going to be over soon. The plan is going. It's not going to be over soon. In fact, we already have a, we, we have a, a runway on deals where we think we're going to get them, how we're going to get them, what we're paying. Um, this is part of the, the phase of the economy it's going in. These things don't happen quickly. A lot of people thought, oh, wow, fall, but spring, it'll come back. No, 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 no. Uh, deleveraging, getting money out of the economy, inflation. These aren't light switches you turn on and off, everybody. It takes time. It takes a lot of time. And the market will take time adjusting up and downs, up and downs. Keep a cool head, see the long-term picture, and invest with the long-term picture, and take advantage of opportunities today that reflect your overall strategy. All right, everybody. I wanted to make this quick. I just wanted to get on here and talk to you guys about this weekend, my thoughts on it, and uh, what we're seeing right now with the banking. And I do think what the government did is good, even though I think the government did, did create these problems. I'll have a lot more information. We're going to be keeping you guys updated. But I hope that brings clarity to you. I hope that may set some people at ease that may be very worried. Now, things change quickly. News does too. 
I'll try to make sure that we're giving you what we're seeing, how we're moving and investing uh, along the whole way. Thanks, everybody. Appreciate it.